So I might as well start this one with kind of repeating what I, I said to uh, Nikki when she turned up, which is it's quite surreal. We had the, I don't know, profound opportunity to meet at the Happy Startup School summer camp this year in 2019. And it was quite a moving experience for me, especially because I didn't know what to expect out of all the people there. There's something very specifically interesting and that resonates about what Nikki stands for with a whole endeavor into business as a founder. It's quite early on the journey of what's going on as a founder right now, I think it's fair to say. But so much has happened so quickly because it's driven by a desire for it to exist that's probably stronger than anyone I've happened upon in, in recent years. So with that, welcome, Nikki. I think the best thing would be probably for you to just give us a little bit about where your kind of business sits, what you, what's your kind of elevator pitch right now? And I'll put on the side of that, that there is an understanding that that's probably going to change between this recording and when it even goes live, because it's quite a, an evolving process right now. Mm-hmm. The elevator pitch is always a difficult no. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Getting yeah. it as, as short as possible. So where my business sits, it sits in legacy. I guess that's the shortest answer. Um, what I'm really trying to hope to do is kind of like motivate people to think about what is it that you're leaving behind, which isn't money or stuff or materials or profits? What is it about you? And as we already said earlier before, it, it doesn't mean that you have to have been remarkable in all sorts of different ways. No, it's just about how how are you remarkable in other people's lives and how do you want people to remember you? And what does that mean for the chapters that you still have in your life? Are you finding that this is something other people buy into? Is it something that's other people enjoy the idea of? Yeah, well, I think it's twofolded because it, it's kind of profound and deep, right? It comes right into someone's personal space. Mm. And it's often something someone hadn't really thought about before. They're just thinking, you know, this is my life and I just lead it like other people do as well. So what am I leaving behind? Oh, wait, I'm leaving behind this kind of wealth or money for other people. But, you know, what does that mean? And and is that really what I want? But actually, the thing that people get most interested about is the how and the what's of this whole idea, which is actually capturing it. So one, one part is the process, which is obviously clarifying, right? If you try to write down your legacy and thinking about this idea, this is getting clear on what your values are and what that means for you and how to live a meaningful life. But actually, what I really try to do is to make it as tangible as possible. I want to capture it in a children's book, which means a couple of things. That means, uh, because children's books are in all different sorts and formats, but the one I get really inspired by are the ones that are able to explain things in a really simple way, which are still really profound and really get the essence and get to the core and can able to tell that in a really inspiring and wonderful way, which with all beautiful illustrations, I just nail it, just get it just right. That kind of make you realize without actually having done anything, how wonderful actually you are as a person and what, what kind of cool things you're already doing. So what's the company called? It's called Fairy Tales. And where did the name come from? The name came from, obviously, the it's a bit of a word thing. So it's a V-E-R-Y. Um, which obviously comes from the fairy tales. Um, it came from the idea of having the fairy tales that you you read to your children or other people or when you were little, it was written, somebody read it out to you, sorry. And actually changing it into very, which is very important. The very important stories or the very important fairy tales actually that haven't been told yet. And what is the very important fairy tales, actually some, something that's maybe about someone that you know very well. It might be your mother or your father or your grandmother, or it might be about you because you tell it to your children. And so when this idea came along, and presumably when you're saying fairy tales at this point, it's moving it on from being just a fable 
or a moralistic story and actually it's it's real stories it's mm-hmm. what's actually happened and, and you mentioned earlier it's not necessarily that everything is remarkable mm-hmm. in terms of it's not a glass slipper yeah 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 but, exactly. although that yeah, may have happened yeah. you know it, it's it's kind of what you're trying to distill through that so what we try to do on here is sort of plot the journey a little bit to wherever that might currently be so perhaps we could just go back a, a little bit perhaps and cover where this idea kind of sprouted you know when when did this first come to mind and what compelled you to want to then sort of start this journey so before i go there's actually a really important note so the 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 name very tales might actually imply that everything's good and happy and and wonderful um where actually it's not it's real it's real life stories and we also cover the things the parts of life which actually weren't maybe as happy or as fairy tale like but we we transform it into a lesson and it's a very important lesson learned so we we certainly don't have to step over the parts of your life which actually were quite difficult and and full of struggle might so that's the whole point of getting that and taking the lesson from that and telling it in a really compelling way which is available and accessible to to all basically so having said that going to uh, the very start of the journey which i think was how long ago i think it's like two years from now which basically meant I was I was getting headaches a lot. So for the last five years, I got more and more sick every day. So I got a lot of migraines. I got attention headaches, which basically meant that at a point I had really severe migraine attacks every few days, but also having headaches every day, every single day. It took over my life, basically. And you're kind of figuring out, okay, where is it coming from? What is it causing it? And you kind of get in this whole rat race of treadmill and medicals and everything and trying to figure out what it is that was causing it. And I got so frustrated with this whole thing, you know, because it was like, oh, you know, every time it popped up, it was like, oh, why now? Like, I don't want this now. I can't do this. Which obviously caused more headaches as well, because you get frustrated. So you get the whole second arrow kind of thing. And I, I bumped into a nice guy who I had a great connection with, who was a coach. And, and I think in, in business sense, there were a lot of things that he thought about that I also aligned with, which was basically looking at values of how that drives people, how it drives businesses and stepping off of the word purpose, actually, because it sounds sometimes a bit too single-minded. And we got into like chatting and he was like, oh, you know, I was telling about this journey of like, I want get to get to my own values, but it's so difficult because I do it for others. But sometimes when you're in your own jar... It's just hard to read the label, right? So you need someone else to kind of like bounce it off um, that can reflect to you back what what's actually you're not seeing because you're just in the middle of it all. So he helped me do that. And um, that was a long process. And at the time, I because I, I, I started my career in kind of, I have a psychology background, but I went into marketing, positioning, strategic communication. I set off a career there at a big consultancy firm. Having traveled a bit, I was still in that job. And then I, I got pregnant. And that kind of, I think that was the best thing that ever could have happened to me, which sounds such as a cliche. But it's, <laughs> it's so true because I think it brought me a lot in terms of that it put me back into my, it literally put me back in my body. Like having this baby kicking inside you all the time makes you realize that there's a lot going in inside of your body the whole time. And it kind of like put me back into my intuition and my emotions which all of a sudden I just woke up and looked into the mirror and I thought, you know, what the hell am I doing? Whose life am I living? You know, it, was this really what I was, what I wanted to do? Or am I just doing something that I think anonymous other people <laughs> want me to do? You know, what am I, what am I doing? What am I all about? And then having this little mystical little baby, happy child, which is so pure. Like they're just 
this instant mirror of everything. I've learned so much more from her than from any other people. And she's not able to speak yet, but just being able to mirror, I guess, just a mirror like straight into your soul. And I was just thinking, I was just struck by lightning by this whole thing about like, what am I, what am I doing? What am I leaving behind? And for who actually? Uh, who's going to care about what I'm doing at what kind of job and what I'm creating? And I don't want it to be money. I don't want to be, because money is replaceable. Stuff is replaceable. Everything is replaceable. And, and in the end, maybe people are replaceable as well. Though I think everybody has a legacy. Everyone, if you want to know or not. And it's up to you how long it's going to last or if it's going to be positive or negative. So I guess, you know, you know, my, maybe my legacy lasts maybe for two generations. It might be my child. And maybe if I have more or if she has children, it might be theirs. And it might be a few people that you touched upon that you really made a difference for. And that's, that's perfectly fine. But like, let it, let it be positive. Let it be looking back and thinking, wow, you know, I've been able to change their life for the positive. And hopefully they'll carry on and, and, and touch someone else's life and, and do something for the positive as well. And then we, we get this awesome chain going on where people just give on awesomeness and goodness to other people. So that was that part. And then how this idea specifically came to yeah, specifically came together was thinking about, okay, you know, this whole legacy thing, and I I really want to help people, which is something very deep and I really want I don't want to chase for quantity of impact. I really want to chase for quality of impact. So I want to make a really profound change in someone. Uh, what is it that I can do? What is it? What are my superpowers, so to say, um, that I can, you know, grab to to help someone? And it was actually because I'm really good at when you have lots of information, just distilling the essence, basically, in a very simple manner, just making making sense of it all, basically, and especially in things that that. Uh, include emotions and personalities and values and purposes and all these things that when it's about you, it's just very unclear and to see how it all relates. And um, I'd, I'd done that for brands, considering brands to be like, I kind of transformed them in my mind into people and like what they would value and, and so on. And I was doing it on the side for actual people as well and I fixed their websites or trying to make sense like, okay, who are you and what do you want to do? And like, I knew that there was something there. But it just wasn't fun enough for somehow. It had to be more playful. It had to be more light. It had to, because, I mean, you're talking about quite profound things, right? When you're talking about, okay, what is it you're leaving behind? And it can get so heavy. And it was just looking to kind of like counterbalance that all in a more light and playful way. And having a child and reading all these children books, I got so inspired because they do exactly that. They can convey this really profound message, which has so many different layers that if you read it as an adult, you think, whoa, you know, that's pretty true. <laughs> But then for children, they have lots of cool images and illustrations and, and talks and language that they also can understand what you're talking about. And I was like, this is exactly it, you know? Starting to tell to a child, which doesn't necessarily have to be a child, it can also be an adult, but like in the language of a child, making it available and accessible to literally all at all times. What is it that you're about? That's a really nice way to put it. What is it you're about? Because I think that's something that we all struggle with. You know, legacy is a massive thing when you, you try to just take it at face value. And I think a lot of people put a lot of weight on themselves to think, oh, it means I need to have cured a disease mm -hmm. or solved some major issue. And the fact that you're making this point about actually really impacting that message, or not impacting, but producing that message for a few mm -hmm. people that can be impacted by it. And I think there must be, or well, perhaps there's a better question for you, as you've spoken to people about this, have you found that because it's a story that's essentially based on real life, on them. Does it feel like something better than if it was 
kind of just an illustrated story about some random character, which, you know, like the brave little toaster or whatever it is that, okay, it might be telling some sort of good stories and lessons, but ultimately that's why the story exists is just for these kind of imagined stories and lessons rather than something that's really happened. Perhaps a better question to start with is, this is quite early in the journey right now. So you're just starting to produce these stories in more of a tangible form. So with what you have been able to produce or what you've been able to explain, what's the kind of reaction been so far? And, and has there been any challenges to clarify and what that's going to end up looking like? So far, people love the idea, especially when you when you talk in the output of a children's book, like you see this little light going on in people's <laughs> eyes because, you know, who doesn't like children's book? It's awesome, right? And then a second thing is, oh my goodness, like, how are you going to be able to live off that? Like, it's going to be super <laughs> expensive, right? So, because <laughs> you have, you know, doing this whole process, clarifying, writing, and then you have an illustrator making everything. And it's like, okay, that's a bit of a challenge. But opposed to that, they like the idea. They go like, wow, that's super cool. And then, but wait, how would that actually look like? Mm. So that's the, the challenge I'm, I'm now kind of in is like producing some examples for people that they can kind of envision what it could look like. So, so, so perhaps we could go into that. So th this is kind of looking at, you're trying to make legacy practical and tangible. Mm -hmm. What struggles or what approaches are you taking to actually make that bit happen in terms of as a founder of a business, what's the business challenge of trying to now make it exist? You're saying you've started looking at what illustrators you might use, for instance. So Yeah, it's kind of like getting the look and feel getting it right getting it and that sounds silly because you never really get it right and that's an endless journey but it was important to think about okay this you come up with this idea which is more about the how and the what right you, you have this idea of capturing legacies for people for individuals in children's books and people go wow but then it was like okay but why am i actually doing this so this journey for kyyy was actually bigger it was about creating this movement of you know, simulating people, motivating people to think about what it is, what they leave behind. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be a children's book, but that was just my way of doing it, right? And then maybe over the years, there'll be other ways of doing it as well that we can add to the business. But so that's, I guess, getting just like clear on the why, what, how, but also getting clear on, okay, because it's the visual is quite important and the feel of it and the children's book is, you know, it's much more visual than a, a normal book. It has to have the right feel because it, for instance, it had to be playful, but not childish. That's a very distinct line, right? So it has, because it's also for adults, it's an adult story. And you don't want to get, come back with someone's, you know, legacy, which they make so big in their mind and give it to them and go like, okay, is that what my life is about? You know? <laughs> so it has to be mystical for them as well. So, so how did you start finding people to actually bring the vision to life? I just started asking around, basically summer camp was a really great way i found that you know asking the universe for something and then people just come come to you mm -hmm. i just also went the traditional routes on going on you know instagram just seeing like saving all these different images of people that i could find all over the world and just you know like reaching out to them and like nine of the ten you hear no and then one time you hear like oh my goodness this is a great idea i want to do this so people just it's the difference between people getting it or not you know if they're really into yes this is cool like making personalized stuff for people that really matters to them. That's that's amazing. Was it hard work to find some people who'd say yes? Did you feel bad when people were coming back and saying, no, it's not for me? Or was it just like, well, that means you're not the right person for this yet. And that's actually a good thing because I want the right people. Exactly. Well, it was, of course, you have like, I guess, two little voices in your head, right? One is like, oh no, you know, that's a bummer because you make such cool things. And I think it would be a nice, it would be a nice ad. But then at the same time, it isn't going to be 
also for them, it isn't going to be highly profitable business, which, you know, they're going to become a millionaire off. So you have to have people who kind of believe in the idea and, and like the idea of making, making a children's book for a father who's terminally ill and has, I don't know, so many months to live and says, okay, I have a child of 10 and I want to tell my story to him. Like you have to have people who switch on, on that idea of like making something for someone who's basically is invaluable to them. It does request, you know, your time and efforts and maybe not your, your, your top A level pricing tag, you know? So yeah, I guess sometimes it's sad, but then I went, okay, this is the challenge I need to overcome yeah. <laughs> bigger than this. We were going to find someone else. So. so so is there a wider plan for when, once these books exist? Presumably you'll be doing very limited print runs, kind of print on demand or something because it's ultimately yeah. for family and friends. But are there plans to make those books more widely available for someone to go, actually, you know what? I'm happy if you want to share this with the whole world and if they want to buy their own copies. Um, yeah. you know, Is there any th- even thinking about that yet or is it just too far down the road right now because ultimately it doesn't exist yet? So basically two things about that. So first, to answer the question, yes, I guess all in collaboration with the person who's actually what the story is about. And most of them will be kind of anonymous because it's part of the whole mystical kind of world that you don't actually put the name in the book about a person. So yes, it could be shared. And if someone is up to that, then definitely do it. And I guess if you're into this for over a couple of years and you have you know, gather what 50 stories and someone will go, that's actually pretty cool. Can you do some kind of bundle of the ones Mm. that you thought were like really interesting to be shared with the wider public? But that's more in the future. The second one is actually to, to have an example, I kind of written my own story because people were like, oh, I love this idea, but wait, why you? (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, oh, but I love this idea, but I don't get it. Do you have something I can look at? And Oh, I get it. But can I share it with other people? So kind of like combining those three, I've written my own story, which, you know, I made sure that it's okay to share with the wider public, which kind of like is my journey of a child up to now and all the places I lived and everything I take from that basically metaphorically, which kind of like adds on who I am right now and the challenges I faced, which is an example. It's about me. So you also see this whole fairy tale idea coming out of that basically. And I want to do a crowdfunding campaign on that. So that I basically sell the stories to raise some money for people who just don't have the budget to actually capture their legacy, but they actually have something which is really interesting to share, maybe not only with their own inner circle, but with the wider public. Is there anything that almost stops you doing this? Like you're obviously very driven that the yeah, idea had to exist, but was there anything that made you go, or oh, maybe I'm not going to give it a go? Yeah, of course. I guess every day. Because <laughs> no, so you're think, talking about these headaches and stuff as well. Like, did they, when did they disappear? Like, was it? They disappeared. I guess they disappeared as soon as I went with pregnancy leave. So I had more time off, and I could really, you know, tap into my own energy and, and ride those waves the way I wanted to. And then when I start back getting back to work again, that they they increased again. So that was a really clear sign. Okay, this is just not for me, basically. And it kind of already confirmed something I already knew, but you know, your first job is sometimes like your first love. You just stick around a little bit too long. I mean, they're wonderful people. So then it was like, okay, this is really scary, right? Because it's just, depending on the way you tell the story, it's either complete madness or it's very (laughs) courageous. (laughs) Because the madness story is, okay, so you've been ill for quite some time and you have this safe, secure job. (laughs) You have a baby girl, basically, who's just just been onto the world. You have to pay for, I mean, we live in a material world, so we have to pay for the stuff that you live in, use, whatever. 
and you're just letting all of that go to go into walk into the darkness because you think that's a great idea. But um, then the other story is saying, okay, you know, I've I've been felt that I've been on this wrong kind of path. I've taken the wrong turn, and that is actually what's probably making me sick. I don't know for sure, but that's just what I feel. Let me go back, take a different turn, and oh wait, there isn't a road. There's no road that I want to take, so let's just create it. Basically, that's what I'm doing right now. And see where it leads me, basically. And that's choosing from for myself. And did you get any resistance from other people? Were you supported in that idea? Oh, of course. There were lots of people, mainly because they thought, okay, either because it's too far from their from their world. Their basically. Own yeah. Zone, yeah. And they yeah. were like, okay, you know, this sounds really odd. You know, how are you gonna ever ever on earth gonna make some money out of this? And also, you know, my, my parents were also not really fond of the idea because, you know, they, they love you and they want the best for you. And, and they think, well, but you have this safe job, like, <laughs> that pays all the bills. Like, why would you leave that? I don't get it, you know? And then now actually having taken that turn and really said, okay, that's great. Thanks for all the input, but I really believe I, I need to do this. And even if it fails, that's also okay because then I know, right? So, and then I can just go and, and happily live after after somewhere else. So, now I've taken that turn and actually there's people who have come in back to me and said, I'm sorry I responded that way because it's just so great to see you so alive again. Like I feel that we have that we have you back. That's quite powerful in itself. Yeah. And that was just great. So regardless of where it takes me, like I don't really care, <laughs> which is strange to say, right? At the, at the start of your business, but it's just wherever it may lead me, I'm okay. And I guess, I guess that's, that's beautiful in itself because you're just like, regardless of what where it will lead me if, if, you know, if in a few months you say, well, it was a really great experiment, but you know, this is where it ends or it's just going to be a side thing, then that's fine. But if it, if it takes me to a place where I can actually, where it's more sustainable and I can take care of my family based out of this and, and, you know, leave a, a bit of a comfortable life, then, you know, that's fine. I don't have to be a millionaire. And even if I go there, then I don't know yeah. what I'll do with the money, but <laughs> that'll be another challenge. There'll be another challenge. Yeah. So you've, you've ended up leaving your job. You've, pulled the trigger on it, the last days happened. How the hell do you then get started on this? Like, you know, presumably it's already been worrying for a while in your mind and you've, yeah. you've been doing bits because you haven't yeah. just, you know, but ultimately, right, you've got to sit down and start making this an actual thing. Yeah, yeah. How did that kind of... Yeah, I was so scared for that, for that moment until I actually signed the kind of like the papers of, okay, I'm leaving and walking out the door and there was just a weight that kind of like dropped off my shoulders, like whew, it frees up exactly the the space in my mind that I need to kind of like, okay, let's figure this out. And the funny thing was, is that actually when, when you start commit to things, it just all starts to fall into place. And I guess the timing of summer camp where we went to in September, which is perfect because in August I had left my job and I just, you know, been busy with just figuring the first things out and write my own story and everything. And then I went to this place with all these amazing like-minded people and you get, and it was exactly the place where I needed to be. Because you have all these people that don't go, oh gosh, you know, how are you going to do this? And how are you going to do that? And how are you going to, you know, make it all work? No, you have people that go, this is an amazing idea. And this is how I think we can make it even better. And that actually, you know, help comes from, from all these different places. So I never, one of my, my, my first fears was, okay, well, I'm going to start for myself. Like I'm a social person, like it's going to be so lonely and everything. So that was one of the first treats I'd given myself to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to need the people around me to kind of like make this less of a, a lonely kind of journey for myself. And that was amazing. It just completely trumped all expectation that I had. And it, it made it even more evident to me that it's so important to make, to surround yourself with the right people. And after since I've met so many wonderful people of which, you know, you, oh, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> and just, you know, being able to, 
it's just making it more more fertile ground around you basically and that was so important and also i met kai which is uh, also at the um, from the summer camp and he has his own co-working space co-working community you have to say in amsterdam which i went to so you actually have a space where you can go to every day which you're surrounded by all these like-minded people which is just great it's just a relief right so and that that fuels you up to to go out and then you know have all these tough questions of people who actually maybe don't really believe in it as much that kind of balances it out. So that was really important. I appreciate that having the right people to sound things off is important. And you you mentioned about when you have people who have a different comfort zone or a different idea of normal, asking those questions will be, the replies will be tainted with their own kind of view on the world and their own risk and whatever else, which yeah. is natural. We use our own paradigms to yeah, exactly. decide how yeah. we reply to things. And so I think... For most people, especially founders of these kinds of businesses, go and find somewhere that's full of other people taking risks. Take, you know, entrepreneurs, these these co-working spaces are a great example of that. But you don't have to commit to that kind of thing. You know, you can go and pay for a day working in one of these places or just go to the evening events or visit the online meetups that these people have. And you don't even have to take part. You just have to be around them. What I've found, especially, you know, with the people that I coach as well, just letting them talk about whatever it is they're working on and you'll you'll echo one word back at them and it suddenly changes the entire perspective. Mm -hmm. But someone else wouldn't necessarily have echoed that word because they're busy judging the whole idea within their space. That's how this whole podcast and whatever else it might become came to be is because I've been wrestling with this for years. Like, who am I talking to? What's this journey? I know in person and then eventually on one of these calls Mm -hmm. with the group, um, the word founder came up and I was like, it clicked. How that word hadn't like been at top of my head, it was always entrepreneur and mission driven and things. So uh, this isn't to make it about me, but it's just to kind of reflect that um, finding your tribe, as a lot of people call it, or your group or your collective is important. What I think you've said is quite an interesting perspective, which is you said one of my first treats was to allow myself to be around people because yeah. I'm because I'm social and actually I think so many people when they embark on these ideas they isolate themselves because they haven't got anyone and actually if you prioritize at least having some kind of forum in yeah. which to, to to talk about the idea or more openly specifically that aren't friends and family who may will you to do well mm-hmm. or be so worried for you they try to stop you doing well you need the, the kind of neutral reply so have you found that through you know after summer camp and so forth what what kind of ways are you keeping this social thing happening now rather than it just being kind of peaks and troughs you mentioned the co-working space obviously i guess that was the most important observation that it was a treat it seemed like a treat it was like okay you know i'm gonna indulge myself into this weekend coming out of that i was like this isn't a treat this is absolute bare essential like this is what i need like without it's just an echoing to myself all the time, right? Which isn't gonna, which isn't doesn't come off creatively quite well. So, um, I guess I keep it alive by. At this stage, there's just a lot of people you talk to because also friends and family are really inter- They're really interested in what you're doing. So, at this stage, I found like the last few months I'm only talking about myself all the time <laughs> because people are interested and they start asking questions, and that that really helps because the the more you talk about it, the clearer it gets in your mind. Um, still, the happy startup school has an online community where I'm part of, which I, you know, we now have this little hub, which we meet every week and talk about things that we struggle with. The co-working space, obviously, and then still, you know, managing all these other people that are coming in 
not only through your direct network, but also through indirect networks that said like, hey, I heard you're doing something about this. I think I know someone who might be interested in it. So, so at this moment, there are a lot of people actually involved. But as you said, I guess the most, and that sounds weird, like in this stage, I think that's the most valuable is actually those neutral people that actually don't know you. Um, do kind of get your idea, have a similar kind of background, not in sense of maybe your industry, but in sense of the mindset and sense of these kind of struggles that you go through that I think every founder goes through, especially if you're starting embarking on a new journey, which hasn't really, you know, hasn't, doesn't have a beaten path yet to just be around the people that understand that get that, right. You don't have to explain everything because they, they go like, Oh, which a relief, you know, I, if, when I say I just started, people go, ah, okay. You know, they get that you, you just see it in their eyes. They're like, ah, yeah, I feel you, you know. <laughs> That's good. And, and you, you talk about this kind of beating the path as well, which is so true. Often these things, even if it's an idea, which thousands of people may have already done, you're doing your own take on it. So there's always kind of a path to beat. So where you're now pushing that even further forward, what are the kind of the next challenges? What's on your radar that you've got to now beat a path through next? I guess actually doing it. Because, and that sounds weird, but at first you have a vision, right? And you, you want to get the vision right. And people believe in that. And then the next step is, okay, then just go do it. Go make it happen. So, um, that's a hell of a loaded sentence though. Just go do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, and it sounds like as intimidating as it actually is because it sounds very simple and it isn't because then, and that's why it's easy to be free with ideas because, you know, there are good ideas everywhere, but actually doing it, that's, that's where you, we, we make the difference. So, so have you wrestled yourself down to actually start doing it now? What, what are you doing? Yeah. So now I'm talking to the first people to kind of like see, okay, can I, can I actually start making the first booklets? And first clients that came along that mainly from this business actually, which the output is different, right? It's not maybe a children's book, but it's, does tap into the same kind of idea and associations that a children's book bring, uh, transferring it into a website or something else. So kind of just do, yeah, doing it for the first few times and then making it less scary. For who? <laughs> for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> presumably it's it's something that's also intangible at the moment to these people that are kind of putting their faith in you to produce it. So are there certain agreements you've come to with them to kind of go, look, this is a, a work in progress. We'll work on it together. Or, or have you kind of pitched it? Have you pretended it's perfect? No. The funny thing was that the first clients actually came because I went to them to ask for help. And then at the end, when I kind of like pitched this whole idea, I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I'm struggling with. And can you help me? And they were like, actually, no, I want this for myself. Can you actually help me? And that, that was like how the first things came along. So I guess agreements, no, not really. More just a, an honest uh, bouncing back and forth of people and accidentally hitting onto pockets of gold, actually, which was great. So now it's it's more, I'm not yet at a phase where I'm intentionally kind of like approaching people to sell this. Like I'm not in the sales stage yet. I'm actually really in this whole idea of I'm embarking on this journey and the journey has already begun. But the first like real key selling points are still yet to come, so to say. Well, no, I've already done some work, but you know what I mean. But what you found presumably then is you mentioned something earlier about once you start kind of committing to what it is you're going to do and talking about it, it just kind of comes to you. People yeah. say you tell the universe what you want. Ultimately, that just means when you're at the cocktail party or when you're at a camp or whatever it is, you're going, this is who I am and what I'm up to. Even if you only just started... It lets people link you to other things in their life, which yeah. isn't like before you go, oh, I'm a branding person. I go, oh, do I know someone who's branding? Now you're, now you're talking about this legacy thing. They're going, oh, do I know someone who wants that? Or is that me? Exactly. And yeah. so I think having those conversations more, it sounds like you've then attracted these people. And like you said, they've gone, I want that thing. 
how do we work together to have it, mm-hmm. which is totally pre-sales. And I think this is an important lesson for most people who are starting on business ideas. Mm-hmm. Once you do start talking about them more, stuff does come towards you. And it sounds like, oh, but why would they come to me? It just it just does happen. If it you happens, think, if you go, oh, I need bread, someone will tell you how to get to a shop or bring you bread or whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a very simple it. version. And I think your other great phrase, which I heard it put that way before, is like, when you're inside your own jar, you can't read the label. And I was like, that's so amazing. Because it's, it's the whole point of coaching and things as well. It's mm-hmm. to help. There's this thing with programming, it's called the rubber duck. And the whole idea is, is that you've got a programmer who's struggling with something. They say, hey, Pete, whoever, can you come over and I've got this problem. And as they explain it to the person, they solve it. So there's this whole thing about a rubber duck, which is if you just tell a rubber duck on your desk, you will also solve the problem because you're just engaging a different perspective. And so I don't really know where my point was going with with that thing other than just to echo back. It sounds like quite a familiar process. And I'm just trying to kind of reinforce it for anyone listening who's kind of at that stage, perhaps just before really committing and, and that kind of teetering on the edge, worry about the risk and so forth. Obviously, you've got to take financial you know, calculations in mind if you have got family to support and bills to pay and so forth. But you can start making smaller steps, just change the conversations you have and see what comes back. And so when you are at the parties, don't say the job you currently do, say the job you're hoping to do. And so I, I just kind of wanted to reinforce that for people who are kind of worried about taking that step. From your perspective, you've now got these people who are kind of going, hey, let's do this for me or for someone I know and together. You said you were starting to engage with illustrators and so forth. So that what are the kind of practical things of actually making this exist physically? And you know, how do you actually go out and find the, the people to help you produce it to work with you? So we have a couple of stages of the process basically. So which is one is the output you're working towards, which we've already spoken about, which is just kind of like playful capturing of your legacy with illustrations to go with it. But then you have the process and the process on itself is actually already, you know, experience as well. So it's kind of like we cut it up into different phases. So the first one is basically we have different angles. We want to gather information. That's the first stage, right? So we want to gather information, the stories that you tell about yourself. We want to capture stories about other people that tell about you. We want to capture about something about the past and we want to capture something about the future. So we're capturing this kind of 360 idea of me versus others and kind of memories versus dreams. And then we have like four boxes basically. So we're kind of try to fill in all the information about that you have. And how that starts off is I, I send a few questions to people to get the right train of thought going. Not actually to have an answer to the question, but just to get you probing you in the right direction. And then I sit with people and I just let them talk. And I felt like such an imposter for so long because I was like, I'm not actually doing something. I'm the rubber duck, right? I'm like, <laughs> so just sitting there and people, but you can't even imagine like, the funny thing is that people come back and they say, I've never done this. I've never told my story just from the moment you were born up to now. What happened? Because nobody's ever been interested. When do you ever get about like telling everything, literally every detail in your life? So funny enough, when people start talking about their own life, already you see some clicks because when they talk like A to Z, the whole story, you already say like, oh, okay, now it makes sense <laughs> somehow. Um, we send out some questions to other people as well. So that could be people that you know really well, friends, family, but of course would be like former colleagues, colleagues, uh, nah, just people that have interesting stories about you to tell. What we tried there is to go to ask a little bit different stories, right? Because we don't want to say, you know, hey, you know, Fox, can you tell something about it? What's so great about him? You know, because then you get kind of like flattened out stories. So you want to uh, you want to ask like, hey, if Fox, you know, if it, it was a country, you went to 
Foxland? Like, <laughs> how would it look like? What kind of people would live there? Is there nature? Are there cities? Are there buildings? How do people interact with each other? Like, how does it look like when you enter the country? What what kind of things are important in that country? Because in those type of questions, you get much more rich answers from that, which maybe not one-on-one we're going to use, but it does dig into this whole kind of pot of gold of what people think of what your values are and what you think is important. So that's great. And then basically we have this whole puddle of, you know, memories, dreams that you have. And then we start breaking it apart. And that sounds, <laughs> that sounds harsh. It's not, it's not, it's not as that. We start kind of like making it more modular. So what I do is I have the whole story, which could be pages long, basically, of everything that we heard. And I'll start reading it. And then everything that strikes some kind of emotional chord in me, I write down the word or the sentence on a post-it. So you can imagine we'll have like four buckets of post-its, <laughs> which is a huge, right? We take a big wall and we start putting them up one by one. And when you say we, is this the person who it's about or is this something with you and your team? So I can do both. So I've done it with a person, which I actually prefer, because then if someone is part of the whole structuring process and you can see what it does for someone to actually have this whole clarity process. But I've also done people who just told me over Zoom and then I took all the information, I clustered it myself and I gave back kind of like how it was, how it kind of like all came together. But when I do it with someone is we start clustering it on the wall. So we put up the posters one by one and we say, hey, actually... This kind of relates to something you said earlier. So you can imagine that you have this very big wall with all these pockets of kind of like breaking apart the stories that you told and kind of like linking certain elements of those stories together and saying, hey, this is something, there's something in this that kind of like holds all these stories together, right? So you get themes. And then you can also, you can see how different pockets of themes connect to each other because some themes only happened if something else happened before that. So you start seeing a stream of, you know, where, where it all comes from, maybe you start seeing the source. So then you start seeing those values coming out of that. So you're breaking it down, making it more module until you can actually not break it down any further. So you found the values, you hit, you know, the, the actually the ceiling, <laughs> I wouldn't say the bottom, <laughs> yeah, but it's actually yeah, the, the ceiling <laughs> yeah, of, of where it came from. And you say, okay, that is, you just can't, that is it, you know? So for instance, for me, my values are freedom, love, and enlightenment. And once, once I found them, I was like, yeah, you know, that's it. It's, we're done. We're good. <laughs> but then when you have that, so that's the whole process of getting there, which is just super clarifying for people because, you know, a whole bunch of people that actually- So, so I, I have to jump in there and ask, have you delivered values to anyone and what's kind of been the reaction when you've delivered those? Because for yours, you're like, oh yeah, that's me. Did yeah. you find that this is repeatable for other people? Yeah. So I've done this process a lot of times. So also for the brands and for the other people that I started working with long before this whole idea actually started just to help them, people who were kind of like stuck and like, oh, I don't know where to go. It's like, okay, just let me, tell me your story and I'll give it back to you and just share what I heard. And I've had people just starting crying, but like literally like men of, you know, 60 plus who were like, you know, I've been trying to figure out stuff my whole life and you just gave it back to me like 10 seconds or like some other founders and entrepreneurs that we work with. And I was like, yeah, you came to me and I was like, I'm trying to write this own story because I'm trying to make connect of who I am and what I do. And I just, I can't figure it out. And I was like, okay, I gave him some tips of how he could collect the information. I was like, you know, trying to do it yourself. And then come back to me. And then he came back and he was like, yeah, I've been this whole weekend. I've just been stuck, you know, and I just don't know how it all makes sense to each other. It's like, okay, you know, show me. And then it was like, okay, this and this is how it relates. And then he was like, you're kidding me. (laughs) I've been busy for this for so long. And you come in in five seconds and you just crack it. Right. So, 
So that is definitely a, a very valuable part of this whole process is just getting clear on things, right? Just seeing things, oh, you know, this is how it makes sense. So, and, and this whole emotional range of, you know, people start smiling, laughing, giggling, they can't stop laughing or they start crying or they're just like, you know, thumbstruck or but it hit something in, in, in people. And, and what they gave back to me is like, oh, I now have this kind of like internal checklist almost going forward saying, okay, you know, if there's any opportunity that comes my way, then I need to make sure it has, in my case, it has some kind of freedom element, it has some kind of love element, and it has some kind of enlightened element. And otherwise it's just not going to work for me. And that's fine. And especially that last part where people can say- The power of no. The power of no, saying that this is just not for me. And that's, that's okay. Or as summer camp did, the joy of missing out, Joe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the joy of missing out. Just saying, okay, and that's that's that. I think that in itself is quite valuable. But then, so you could even stop there, right? You can even say, okay, these are your values, and 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 then what? Basically, go off and and do it yourself. Then I wanted to take it a step further. Say, okay, now you have found your values, but like how it might make sense to you, but what if you're not there anymore to tell about it? Or what if you want to? tell about other people, but it makes sense in your head. But then when you try to explain it to other people, it just doesn't come out the right way. So how are you going to tell this about you, about who you are, what you do in a way that everybody can understand it? And that's where we, where we come in and say, okay, we're going to transform, we're going to write your story, but we're going to transform how you used to do it. So where we used to do it is we say, okay, we tell a story from A to Z. We say, okay, like yesterday I went through the forest and I saw this and I saw that and I was with this person and I was walking with the dog and you tell every single detail. Now we're going to say, okay, this is quite interesting because you have these values, but when you explain about these values, you actually don't really mean anything, right? Because they say, okay, great. You know, and if he has these values, freedom, love, and enlightenment, now, okay, so what? You know, so what does that mean? So going from there, we actually, we take parts and bits of the stories that you told. We're not going to tell everything because we're only going to tell that one bit of the story that illustrates that one value. Because then you have, you get it from two angles because then you have a kind of like the, the proof points almost mostly for yourself actually saying like, oh wait, I am this person. Um, illustrating this one value that actually brings that to life and illustrates who you are and what you think is important. So, and then when you list that up and you mix it with a little bit of fiction and nonfiction, I love metaphors. I love nature and the metaphors that it gives. It's my biggest source of inspiration to transform some bits of the story into something a little bit more magical. Um, no, that's not the right word. We're not making it more magical, but we're making it a little bit more relatable. So almost taking certain elements of it in, and taking it into comparing it to something different so that everybody can go, oh, I get that, you know? And then when you read it, I know I when we had friends over, I, I read my own story to them and they just started crying because they're like, this is so wonderful. Like you're 27 and you have this. Like I'm I'm like I'm really, you know, elderly and I didn't get this about myself. Like I would love to have this, this sense of clarity and the sense of being proud of your own story, kind of like understanding where it came from, and then also having the time to actually do something with that as well. So that's basically the two elements, I guess. So one is the getting clear on things and the and the power that comes from that. And the other element is actually putting it into something tangible, which you can share with other people and they'll get it as well. And they'll be as enthusiastic about your story as you are. Because that's that's a great thing, right? Because you tell it to other people and they go like, wow, you're such a wonderful person. <laughs> and I think that's where I'm different from, from, from coaching, right? Because you could also easily take the first piece and say, okay, I'm going to make it into something coaching. But what I really like about this is I think you're great as you are. You don't need to change. You don't need to have results you need to go through or 
things that you want to change or, you know, this is just you and you can either love it or hate it, but you're only going to have one you. So what you're just doing with me is you're basically dumping all your stories and information on me and I'm just going to structure it and give it back. And then all of a sudden you see, oh, wow, this is actually really cool. Absolutely. And you made a point earlier as well that it's not always good. You know, you can go through problems and, you know, tribulations and so forth. And I think sometimes it's you find people who were protecting perhaps family members or they, but they never really crystallized in their mind that they were playing that role yeah. within things. And it's only when you can zoom out many years later that you realize, oh, actually, I'm a, I'm a protector in this way or I um, look out for people in this way and so forth. So unless you go through that, you don't necessarily, like you said, understand your values. And I think a lot of us suffer from not valuing what we do mm-hmm. or who we are. And then there's things like imposter syndrome and it translates into business as well. And so what struck me so much about, you know, your particular idea is that it's it's taking values and really leaning into the way that it bridges every part of your life. Instead of going, what are my company values and what are my values and how do I smash those together? It's yeah. actually what are my life values and use those as as your sort of steering yeah, in, into all the things. Yeah. yeah. And I think what I guess the message I'm trying to push out for people on this point is if you're suffering with not valuing what you do or what you have to say or mm-hmm. you know what you've got to produce, even going through some exercises like this to try and start getting closer to it would work. Obviously, if they then want to take that further, you know, talk to someone like yourself yeah. who can make that into a tangible thing. But often a lot of the struggle is not being super clear on what those are. So don't try and, as a founder of a company, don't try and create the, the values of the business until you know what your own specific values are is probably exactly. get it, do it in that yeah. order and there's a word out there which i probably mentioned before which is ikigai mm-hmm. and it's about this kind of venn diagram of how everything intersects from you know meaning of life meaning of work purpose money and and so forth and that's ultimately where you want to get to is mm-hmm. that's that's what that balance is but you'd have to start with you you know exactly especially because i think as a founder and if it's if it's you in the beginning there's no difference between you and the business you are the business so in a certain element certain way actually the company's values are your values that's how they relate to each other and i guess values because people always think of values as you know take this one value say okay your value is love right so you've lived and your life was full of love and like it was all happy and, and cheerful and joy no the thing is about values is that when you're living your value it feels amazing but also when you're so far apart from that value that it actually starts hurting, that it makes you sick. That also makes you realize that that value is important to you. So when you go out on this hard journey of like finding your values, don't go look for the values that you're actually already living. Go and seek for the values that, you, that you're actually quite far apart. And maybe it doesn't make sense yet to you because you say, okay, but how can I claim this as my value? Because I haven't lived up to it. That, that's not the point. The point is where you know. What do you think is important? That That's really, really good way of putting that because like we were saying about living into the stories that you tell about yourself and that you tell to others, the same with the values is that you might be doing some things which you, you then use to produce your values from, as you say, and actually what you really value is something else. And what happens if you build a company around values that you don't fully believe in is that you end up not loving your company and you're just feel just as bad as when you were working somewhere else or doing some other thing and you were dreaming about this thing. So you set yourself up to go in completely the wrong direction anyway. And something that came up at one of the events I was talking about the other week is if you start expanding the team, don't expect your employees or teammates to have 
the values of the company as their own values or, or the meaning of the company. They might believe in your values and your meaning and mission and so forth, but they've still got their own. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of the best things you can do as a founder as you start to grow your team is understand why they are stepping up to this because they might believe in your values and mission, but they're doing it for their own values. And sometimes, well, not sometimes, more often than not, they haven't been through that process. They don't know what their values are. And one of the most powerful things you can do as a leader or a founder or a teammate is to help people get closer to their values mm-hmm. because everyone knows what the hell's going on. Yeah. And everyone can then not just get the most out of themselves, but they can be the best. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference between most and best. You know, if you just treat us all as sort of resources to to burn until there's nothing left, mm-hmm. that's a route for failure. No, exactly. It's it's I guess it, when you tap into values, it also makes sense to someone why why some a certain idea is so appealing to them because it, apparently there's something in which kind of like attracts it. But you, I think, the idea indeed is is not to kind of like impose your own values onto someone else. No, the idea is to kind of like make make clear for them. Okay, what are the elements that make you tick? But also bringing you in also has all this untapped potential, right? That we're not tapping into right now. So, and that's that's great because then you're creating something bigger and saying, okay, everybody can contribute to that in, in their own way. And I guess I guess that's kind of where you want to go to, right? You, you want to let go of how people can contribute to a certain thing. You just say, okay, this is where we want to go to, but how you get there is completely up to you, right? So I guess I asked you this question before and I'm interested to see if it will come out the same, which is, for other founders or people who are on on the journey you're on or about to start, what's kind of your key piece of advice that you'd want them to really lock in and, and remember as they, they move forward? It's a journey with many faces, right? So, um, But for me specifically, it's been a journey of confidence. So it's been a journey of, okay, I have this great idea and that actually believing in that idea, finding other people who actually believed in the idea a little bit more than I did in the beginning even because you just have to build up this confidence with okay this idea is good and this is no this idea is great and I'm actually exactly the right person who should be doing this right now and I found myself actually asking for advices to other people hoping that they would give a certain answer because you already know somewhere deep down the right answer but you just need to build up the confidence to kind of trust that you have everything you need right in yourself you just have to learn to trust it so and that's the most difficult part, which I think why is a founding journey, so to say, um, but any journey, every given journey is just, it's a reflection of, you know, you being able to say, hey, I'm great and I have a great idea and it's worth listening to. So that's scary. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, it's why it's so great when people do actually bother mm-hmm. because typically that's where the great things come from. And it is about... I mean, it's really interesting way that you put it. You ask a question already knowing what either what the answer will be or what you hope it will be, which can be quite clarifying mm-hmm. because sometimes I've happened upon people who actually their idea is genuinely terrible mm-hmm. and they kind of know that anyway, but mm-hmm. they want someone to to validate it or whatever. But what ends up happening is, is that the idea gets challenged and it turns it from a terrible idea into actually something that's okay until eventually it's what it should have been in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that, kind of push on the confidence and expanding the idea and understanding actually it's not about letting go of the one way it could be and if it isn't that way then it's not worth doing mm-hmm. it's actually opening up to saying it could be a different thing entirely mm-hmm. and it needs a little bit of time to be kind of worked on and whittled through being bounced around with people and so you said you get lots of ideas and some of them are good some of them are great yeah, and so yeah. forth but even the great ideas typically still need some work before they're 
um, deployable ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference. Like we all sit there and have the great idea in the pub or the great idea in the shower or whatever it might be. But when you actually get down to it, you can either very rapidly work out why you shouldn't do it because, oh, it's terrible or it's impractical or whatever. But then you can go, oh, but there was there was something that drove me to want to do it. What's that that essence yeah, exactly. in there? Yeah. And, and dig that out. And I guess it's also a journey of figuring out which elements of those you don't want to let go and which elements are already are, are okay to change. So, for instance, we had this whole idea of, okay, who are we targeting, right? So there could be so many people for who this is for this could be great as probably many of people would have when they're starting their own business they're just struggling it's to figure everyone. out yeah, yeah okay yeah. like who is this one target group no it's not for one target group because it's great <laughs> for everyone right so at first we were thinking okay legacy like legacy is is someone who's about to die is thinking about their legacy right because now what am i leaving behind i want to capture my story and i want to pass it on to the next generation so that it doesn't get lost even beyond that i'm gone which still is true. I mean, it's not it's not untrue. But uh, um, talking to a lady who was ninety four and uh, at the point where she where she was about to die, basically, we I also figured out we both figured out that that wasn't actually the target group that I was after because I needed people who had a little bit more time, who had a little bit more remaining chapters to actually do something with the clarification in their head that they just gotten because they were like, oh, this is why, you know? And now that I know I want to I want to live on those values and I want to make the time that I have left, I'm like, oh, I want to make it worthwhile. I want to do stuff for other people. So we figured out, okay, you know, yes, that is a really amazing target group and we could do very valuable things for them and we probably will. But like we're targeting actually people who are a little bit before that or even way in the, in the beginning of the process just that have more time to act on on what they think is important wherever that might be in your life journey basically so yeah and, and for instance that is something that can change like it was like okay I have this great idea like I just need to find the right person right or the right group of people and there were certain elements of the idea that I absolutely didn't want to get let go the whole idea of the ch children's book some people said well yeah, I kind of like the idea, but you know, this children's book, you know, uh, who would read it? I don't have children. I was like, okay, but that's the one thing I'm not letting go. Right. And it could be a different output, but still the associations that it brings with it, that's actually what I'm going to hold on to. So, and then if you don't like that, then that's fine. You're not, you know, we're not meant to be together, work together or whatever. So that's one big <laughs> mysterious cloud when you start, because you just like, okay, I have all these ideas floating in my head. What isn't important and what is less important? So, or not important, but more what can change and what what is less susceptible to change? Yeah, I mean, I could talk about it for days, as you know. I mean, we have done plenty emotionally and and practically. I think what you're doing is something that resonates so well because it's what the whole world needs. You know, we're globally going through a whole situation of you know climate, what's going on. So stop thinking in quarters, think in generations. And I think when you say to someone, "Hey, I could help pass this information on." And it be usable and make people safe, protected, happy, whatever it might be. And then when that's got a hint of, and actually you could use it as well, and you can use it to lean into a better version of your life and do things that are working. And, and some of them might be surprising to discover, some scary, but ultimately it's powerful. Yeah, I'm very happy that you exist and that you're doing this this whole thing. And much like you, I get a bit impatient for stuff and I kind of want this all to exist yesterday and to start. But actually, the whole point is that the journey is the important bit and getting this right-er now, not perfect because that can be paralyzing itself, but right-er, it will set it up to have the best effect it can. But I think you've mentioned before, it only needs to impact 
even one person for it to be worth it and anything else is just even better. So I guess to close, because I think there's more chapters on this story and I suspect we'll be talking again as the kind of more practical business pieces happen, actually setting up production and, mm-hmm. and so forth. It'd be interesting to see how that relates against your values and you know what changes happen. But to close, are there any kind of final thoughts or sort of messages you want to share about just the journey of being a founder or, or kind of the getting up and doing things, just anything that comes to mind, anything you, you kind of want to say still? I just thought about that I actually didn't answer another question fully, okay, which, was, that's uh, fine. which was about the process. We, we had the, the part where the process of clarification and coming to the values and then taking the stories and building the story. But then, of course, you have the chapters after, which gets, okay, you have the story, but you need to get the illustrators to illustrate the story. You need someone to actually make the book look nice, the designer of the book, and then you need to print it. So that's just one to close to close that <laughs> good, one, good. one question off because I'm not doing it alone by far not. So something I want to say is... Just something I figured out this morning, actually, is what does it mean when you reconnect with your values? Um, Having lived your life just as it came and then finding these values, reconnecting with them again and reshaping your life to kind of like live the life according to your values and the quality of impact it has on this one single person, but also the people around them that kind of like affects them as well. And then hopefully passing down that chain, which means that you know, even my legacy might be only between brackets, the the so many people that I've touched upon and the booklets that I might have written or just the conversation I had with people. But hopefully having changed something deep in them and them taking that same kind of like idea and, you know, bring it on to other people and like passing down the idea of reconnecting, living a life which is according to your values, living a meaningful life which is meaningful to you. I guess the world would look like a different place right now. I guess that's really what I'm hoping for because we really need the change. And it had to happen a long time ago, but it's still not too late. So I'm really hoping that people can see through the clutter and see what really matters to them and start acting on that right now. I think that's a very powerful way to end it with that. I think the motivation of people and that the net positive is that we all have an impact because ultimately we're selling happiness one way or another. I think that's a nice way to put it. We will include all your links and everything in the show notes. If people, Is there any kind of particular ask that you have of people or anywhere you want them to come and find you? Well, I'm on a journey and the journey has already started. So probably when we take this out, I'll, I'll be already a couple of steps further or down, depending on how things <laughs> go. But you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me. I'll, we'll include the email. I'm hoping to have some kind of landing page up where you can sign up to the newsletter and just stay informed if you like working on Instagram, working on LinkedIn, but mostly working towards a crowdfunding campaign to actually get things out there and get things live. But that's going to obviously take some time. So I don't know how far we're going to be in that process when this goes live. It's amazing. I mean, based on what you've said and the people you've spoken to, I think I would imagine there's going to be a lot of people who are very interested in this particular journey. So yeah, go and sign up to whatever newsletter will exist by the time this is out. You know, it's, it's not I think you've said it yourself, it's not about selling, it's about sharing and the journey, which is really important to kind of everything that I stand for as well. So yeah, if if legacy and how to really make that more personal, and if you think values could help steer you and you know all the wonderful things that mm-hmm. Nikki's had to say, then yeah, do follow. Nikki, thank you for your time. It's been outstanding, to be honest. So. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could listen for hours, but I just thought if this podcast is eight hours long, then uh, we'll have a problem. So <laughs> yeah, thank you very perfect. much. Thank you. <laughs>